From From KVMR Nevada City. And in partnership with Freed. Welcome to Disability Rap. I'm Carl Sigmund. Today we bring you a very Today we bring you a very special show. Anna Acton, who started at Freed in 2004 and has been our executive director since 2012. Has been appointed by California Governor Gavin Newsom to the post of Deputy Director of the To the post of Deputy Director of the Independent Living and Community Access Division. At the California Department of Rehabilitation. We're recording this interview on Friday, May 28th, which is on his last day working here at Freed. She starts in her new position at the California Department of Rehabilitation, or DOR, next Thursday, June 3rd. This interview will air on June 7th. Later in the show, we will hear an update about vaccination efforts. For the disability community here in California, from the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund. But first, we turn to Anna. Anna is a Nevada City native. Growing up on the North San Juan Ridge, 
When she was 15, um, no, was in a serious car Anna was in a serious car accident. That left her paralyzed from the waist down. Her journey to accept her disability eventually led her to freed. Where she started as our disability community advocate in 2004. Anna, it is a real joy and honor to welcome you to Disability Rap. Well, this is a new role for me on Disability Rap. I'm used to being the one to ask the questions, not answer them. I want to begin by asking you to take us back to when you first rolled into Freed. What was going through your mind? The first time I remember rolling into Freed was in 2004. And in that time of my life, I um, was going to Chico State. I was thinking that I was going to... Um, graduate to be a teacher, elementary school teacher. And um, I really wanted to find a job. And um, I had put my applications for employment all over town um, and including at Freed, who had an opening for the systems change advocate position at the time. Uh, now your position, Carl, disability community advocate, and um, rolled in in 2004 for my first interview. I remember rolling in and um, being interviewed um, by Ann Guerra, who was then executive director, and Teresa Favuzzi who was um, really um, a mentor and leader in California's disability rights movement as the executive director of the California Foundation for Independent Living Centers or CFLC. And um, it was an intense interview, let me just say. And uh, there was a particular scenario uh, that was presented to me during that interview about uh, a community member being stranded at a bus stop um, and trying to get paratransit services and was not picked up for uh, the transportation that they needed. And this, this scenario, this consumer being very upset. Um, and 
it was that scenario and actually the, the probably the whole interview that I rolled back out of that interview, literally saying, oh my gosh, that was intense. The things that people are going through to just get their basic needs met in the community is, is really difficult. And remember thinking, wow, I wonder if I really even want to work there. <laughs> it was a whole new level of kind of peeking behind the curtain to see the barriers, the real life experience and barriers that people with disabilities face on a daily basis. But I want to take you back for just a moment to before that first day rolling into Freed. I was injured in a car accident, as you mentioned, um, and uh, as a freshman in high school. That's a really difficult time, I think, in, in the life of, of teenagers and of youth, right? Um, transitioning from elementary school to high school. Um, and I was in a car accident uh, where I broke my back and, and, and have used a wheelchair ever since. Um, but before that, even, um, I grew up on the ridge upstream from a gentleman by the name of Sam Dardick. And Sam Dardick was the founding director of Freed, uh, along with um, his wife, Gita, and many other local community members that put together the first board of directors and established Freed in 1985. When I first became disabled and using a wheelchair, the only person that I knew with a similar type of disability at that time was Sam Dardick. Um, Sam Dardick was a family friend. Um, and he was, you know, the dude in the wheelchair, farming, you know, from his chair, raising his family, building his home um, with his own hands. And that was sort of my role model uh, around disability. And I didn't understand it at the time, but looking back, I really appreciated the power of having a role model like that in your life. Because when you become disabled, you have no idea what it's going to look like and what, you know, will it define your life? And if it will define your life, what will that be? Will it be positive? Will it be negative? Um, so having that kind of level of role model was, was really important. Anna, I wanted to ask. As you got to know Sam more and more after acquiring your disability, and then as you began working at Freed, What most struck you about the independent living philosophy in those early years? I think what struck me the most about and the independent loving philosophy was really about how, you know, none of us have to conform to what others think or society thinks. 
Um, and that really, you know, in life in general, we're able to kind of create our reality and our future and what our life is going to look like. Um, there's so much stereotype and stigma around disability that um, it, I really related to the independent living movement because it really was about you know, who are you as an individual? What do you want to do? And that you're able to do whatever you want to do. It just may look differently. And you might have to figure out some um, specific workarounds to barriers that you're going to encounter, both physical barriers, as well as those attitudinal barriers. Um, and that people should really be in control of their own life decisions and choices. I think that's what resonated the most with me because that was sort of what I naturally went to after becoming disabled. Um, you know, there was a lot of, oh, now you're not going to be able to do pick a topic, you know? And so for me, I was always challenging that and saying, well, it, can I not do it because it's not possible or because there are barriers that we're going to have to, I'm going to have to remove in order to be able to do it. Right. And so that ended up becoming basically my life, right? Oh, you can't ride a mountain bike anymore. Well, actually, if I created a four wheel mountain bike, right, I can still do it. Oh, I can't race on those mountain bike courses. Well, why? Because I use a wheelchair and really fighting those kind of systemic barriers that come up. And, you know, there are real barriers in life. Like there are literally physical barriers that make it difficult for me to get where I want to go and do what I want to do sometimes. You know that, Carl. You experience very similar ones as I do. Um, so what do you do? You figure out a way to make a workaround. Maybe that means that you're going to start advocating to remove that barrier or maybe you're going to create a device that'll get you there or whatever it is, you have to kind of think really creatively and outside the box in order to get your needs met. And that's independent living. Independent living is about being in charge, having control, having choice, and, you know, advocating for what you need. That is so important. I think society is really interesting, Carl. Um, you know, we put these self-imposed or society-imposed values and views, right, on different people. We, we live in this society that tells us we're supposed to look and act and breathe a certain way, right? And um, we're also the ones that build the built environment. Like, we create it. We, like, envision and create towns and cities and buildings and, you know, we build them in a way that creates these barriers for people, right? Whether you're a person with a disability or a person who, you know, the mother, you know, or father with the stroller, you know, um, trying to get from point A to point B. So we create these environments that end up being not usable for this whole segment of the population. But again, it goes back to how we value diversity, within our culture, within our community, right? And that's the one thing is, you know, you disability is really, you know, we talk about this a lot in 
um, in independent living is, you know, that disability is really part of the natural diversity of the human experience. And that if you live long enough, you will experience it personally or, um, uh, you know, through a, a personal experience, temporarily, permanently, through a family member, a friend. It's sort of part of the natural process of life, uh, whether you acquire a disability or you age into it. And so, um, you know, it goes back to really how we as society value diversity and value the human experience in all its different forms. So well put. So well put. Like, Thank you. I know as of this I know as of this recording you have not begun your new You have not begun your new job. At Department of Rehabilitation. But tell us a bit of what you will be doing. And what you are hoping to bring. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, you know, the Department of Rehabilitation largely focuses on um, giving equal opportunity to employment and community living for people with disabilities. So my particular um, position will be really focusing on um, community-based services and supports for people with disabilities. So both within the department as well as um, statewide through other state departments, initiatives and efforts. And my work will not just be within the department. There's a lot of efforts right now on the state level around the master plan on aging, uh, to make that a reality on a local level uh, so that um, communities are both disability and age friendly, that people can live in the community and age in place and remain in their own homes throughout their life. Uh, so that's really the focus, which is perfect for me because that is the work that we've been doing at Freed. And now I'm able to take that local community um, perspective and focus to the state level um, to be able to support policy that, um, that, 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 to be able to support policy for independent living for people with disabilities. Well, uh, well Anna. I just want to say how excited I am. And excited we all are. In the IL movement here in California. That you have been appointed to this role. And are taking the vision of independent living to Sacramento. So, 
So, I'm acting. Thank you for being our guest. I'm Thank you for being our guest on Disability Rap. Thank you for all your And thank you for all your work. Thank you, Carl. And I just want to end by really thanking the community. Um, I have had so much community support throughout my career, throughout my life. Um, it's why I choose Nevada County as as uh, my place of residence. That was on That was on Acton. Longtime executive director of Freed and host of this and host of this program who is now, who is now as of this blog as of this broadcast the director of the the Deputy Director of the Independent Living and Community Access Division at the California Department of At the California Department of Rehabilitation. To listen to an extended version of my of my interview with Anna, go to our go to our website free.org slash disability rap. We now turn to an update on the COVID-19 vaccination efforts here in California. For people with disabilities. Here's Lawrence Carter Long of the of the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund with our update. The landscape in California, I mean, more people have been vaccinated. So while the overall level of stress and concern and the urgency for some folks isn't as acute as it was, let's say, last March, that doesn't by any stretch of the imagination mean that all of the issues have been heard or addressed. We're still worried about how people who cannot leave their homes are going to get shots, especially their second shots, so that they can be fully vaccinated for the longest period of time. Uh, we've heard nothing about plans to ensure equitable vaccination for younger children and teens as the summer kicks off. And I, I think the, the polarization over masking 
um, uh, uh, remains. It's still there and there's still very little discussion about how people with disabilities who may not be able to, affect, to be effectively vaccinated and continue to be masked or folks with disabilities who cannot be masked fit into these kind of polar opposites, these extreme positions. And so I'd like to see more conversation, uh, more attention given to those areas. Um, and I think a number of uh, barriers and questions, particularly barriers, still exist for uh, the disability communities throughout California. Most of our work recently has been about um, really focusing on those barriers that still exist. What we're hearing from people, for example, is that a lot of questions and concerns about how vaccines might affect pre-existing conditions um, still exist, both for adults and kids. Parents of disabled children have voiced this quite a bit. And we're pivoting right now to what needs to be done with the mass vaccination sites closing down. And as the state transitions to mobile and more pop-up sites, there's still a lot of unanswered questions about the accessibility of those sites. So many of the mobile sites, right, especially with your faith-based um, or church groups are moving around to a few different locations in a day and have a variety of volunteers. So it's hard to keep track of and it's hard to organize. So people want and they need to know um, that they can get their shots before they actually risk going out. I think there, there are big questions out there that we're starting to hear about whether or not the my turn transportation options that were announced in early May are actually working. The fact is we just don't yet know. Uh, uh, for example, we're told that if somebody registers to get transportation or an in-home vaccination appointment on the uh, my turn website, that it should take between three or four days for somebody to get back to them and they should have their shot within two weeks. But I know for a fact that uh, one of my dread of colleagues has been waiting 12 days to hear back from my turn and, uh, about their request for an in-home vaccination. So we have at least anecdotal evidence that things aren't moving particularly quickly. And, and to my mind, this points out um, the need for easy to find, easy to use, easy to track and verify channels of transportation transparency and accountability. We've got a variety of information we've, we've compiled, both from the town halls, for example, and um, there's advocacy information, government information, and other resources geared specifically toward people with disabilities on the DREDF website. So I think probably the best place you can go for the most up-to-date information is to uh, DREDF.org. And then right there from our landing page, you'll see a link um, right there under the masthead about um, COVID-19 questions, uh, government information and resources. Uh, another place that I would really recommend that people go um, is to the website of the California Foundation of Independent Living Centers, that's cfilc.org, who has been working across the state um, through their own work and through their DO network. Um, to really help coordinate and organize independent living centers throughout the state. So that would be uh, cfilc.org to get the most up-to-date information for um, folks with disabilities and uh, disability communities throughout California. That was Lawrence Carter Long.
of the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund or Dred F. Updating us about the COVID-19 vaccination effort here in California. Their website again is dreadf.org. That is D R E D F dot org. And that does it for the show. Special thanks to Amber Wilmore Hurley for his support. To listen to this show again, go to Go to free.org slash disability rap. Or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carl Sigmund for another edition. Oh.